This is Victoria. I am otherwise engaged or possibly just ignoring your call. Leave a message. Victoria, I'm in the mountains. It's breathtaking up here. It's almost enough to make me forget the horror I witnessed in Utah. Almost. I keep seeing it in my mind, that poor old man's body slumped in that chair. Bad enough, certainly, but the other thing, that presence I felt, that's what I keep going back to. It kept me up all night in the hotel in Grand Junction. This strangeness isn't over, is it? It's never going to be over. The wolves are at the door, Victoria. The wolves are at the door. Michael's in danger and I'm out here alone on these roads and you're my only link back to the world. And you're MIA, Victoria. Why aren't you calling me back? I know you've been put out with me, but it wasn't my fault. None of it was my fault. In fact, I'm starting to think maybe it was their fault. These insidious forces Michael's been talking about always there in the background, in the shadows. That pain in my back, has it always been there? I think maybe it has. It's like a burning now, accompanied by an incessant itching. I keep scratching at it with no relief whatsoever. I swear to God, Victoria, if you don't call me back soon, I'm gonna... Well, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Maybe I'll just drive straight off one of these hairpin turns. Would you like that, Vicky? No. I can't do that. I can't do that. Michael still needs my help. He still needs my help. These roads are dangerous, though. I'd better be careful. Quite a drop-off in some places. Your mother would have hated it. And if that wasn't enough, it started snowing. A little early in the year for it, I think, but it is the mountains. Maybe it snows all the time in the mountains. How should I know? Gotta be careful now. Got to be very careful. Hmm? What's that? What's that, Victoria? Oh, the envelope. <laughs> you mean this envelope? This one I'm holding in my hand? The one addressed to me in handwriting that is decidedly not Michael's? The one stained with that old man's blood? Yeah, I opened it. There was a single sheet of yellowed paper inside. And it's blank. from Arkham, written and performed by S. Lee Benedict. The voice of Victoria is McKenna Beeger. This is unbelievable. I'm somewhere beyond bail. I seem to have driven right into some freak winter storm. Only it's not winter, obviously. Visibility is really low all of a sudden. This is bad. Probably not a good idea to be talking on the phone right now. Uh, I think I should go. Victoria, I, I've been in a wreck. I was driving, going around a curve, and some thing ran out in front of me. A dog, maybe? I'm not sure. I probably would have been able to maintain if the roads weren't so slick. 
I went off the highway and plowed head-on into a tree. Airbag deployed so my face didn't meet the steering wheel at 45 miles per hour, but I do seem to have a small laceration on my forehead. It's bleeding, but it doesn't seem too bad. I think I'm okay otherwise. No broken bones or anything. I can't get it started again. Will the engine even start if the airbags go off? I think it's going to need to be towed out of here. Ah, for the love of... Ugh, it's no use. This is not good. Not good. I obviously can't stay here. Not for long, anyway. Without the engine running, I can't even run the heater. I'm fairly alarmed here. I've heard stories of motorists who got trapped in snowstorms and ended up dying. What do I do? I haven't seen many cars out here in all this. They're probably smart enough to know better. Stupid. Should have stopped back in Vale, but I promise I had no idea I was headed for a storm of this magnitude. Okay, calm down. I better try to call for some help. I do not want to be stuck out here for long. Victoria, I tried calling emergency services several times, but the call wouldn't go through. Why can I always get through to your voicemail, but no one else? It doesn't make sense. <sighs> the temperature in here is dropping like a millstone. The snow is getting really deep too. And if that wasn't bad enough, it's starting to get dark. Which is weird. I mean, it almost seems like the days are getting shorter. I start out driving in the morning, and seemingly before I know it, it's basically night again. It's probably just the weather. The sun's up there, I just can't see it. Uh, what do I do? What do I do? Risk staying here and hope someone comes along? Truck driver or something? Or do I take my chances on foot? And what if they find me here? Too far to walk back to Vale. According to the map, the next closest town is called Frisco. Thing is, I've no idea where exactly I am. I was quite a ways outside of Vale by the time I wrecked, so I just have to estimate. Maybe Frisco is in walking distance. <sighs> Hard to say. I think I have to try walking. <sighs> didn't bring a heavy coat with me. You know, I didn't really expect to see any serious weather on this trip. This is just unbelievable. Okay, I'm going. I can't believe I'm doing this. What a hellacious hour that was. I think I'm in a safe place. For now. I didn't reach Frisco, but I did find some place to shelter for the time being. I left my car where I'd wrecked it, obviously, and followed the road east for a while. It was freezing. I was freezing, and I knew I wouldn't last very long out there. I thought about going back to the car and just taking my chances waiting for a passerby, but if no one came along, I would freeze there all the same. Besides, it seemed like every other person had the good sense not to attempt traveling in this freak weather. Anyway, as I walked, my sense of panic began to rise exponentially. I knew that if I didn't figure out something soon, I'd be done for. And at that moment, I heard a wolf howling off in the trees on the north side of the highway. Distant, but distinct. I felt a spike of adrenaline as my fear surged. I stopped and strained my ears against the cacophony of the wind, and after a moment I started thinking it had only been the wind I'd heard. But then another howl answered the first, this one up ahead of me. My thoughts raced. Was I being hunted? Never mind the foul forces that had plagued me every day since leaving LA, now I had the teeth and claws of the natural world to contend with. I hesitated for a minute, not sure what course to take. 
I scanned my surroundings, looking for any sign of movement in the trees. That's when I saw a distant glow in the forest, in the opposite direction from those wolves I'd just heard. Had no idea what it was, but light meant people, so that's where I headed, even though it looked a ways off the highway. I trekked through the already very deep snow, into the trees, shivering the whole way. My face was already going numb from the cold, fingers too. I'd left LA in such a hurry I didn't have time to pack the way I probably should have for such an open-ended and unpredictable journey as this. As the light got closer, I was able to determine it was from some kind of structure. I made a beeline, hoping beyond hope that structure contained someone who might render aid. I had this unrelenting sense something was nearby, like I was being stalked. I kept looking behind me but didn't see anything. I could still hear wolves howling somewhere, but they seemed farther away. Nevertheless, I hastened my gait as much as was humanly possible in the deepening snow. I tripped and took a gainer into a drift concealing a fallen log. My head made contact and I think it reopened the small laceration there. Pain shot through my cranium. I ignored it and managed to make it to my feet again, certain something was on my heels. I dared not look behind me anymore though, as I did the only thing I could do. Press onward. As the trees became less dense, I could finally see it was a small cabin and by the time I reached it, my shoes were entirely drenched from the snow. The freezing wetness soaked all the way to my socks. A private drive led off from the front of the cabin, presumably to the highway. I probably would have come to it if I'd kept following the highway. A fairly bright porch light was the beacon that had guided me there. Otherwise, the place was dark, nobody home. Well, desperate times. I jimmied the lock on the front door. I know, I know. But I was freezing to death and I didn't see I had much of a choice. I'll leave a note or something, bowing out pay for the damages and hope I don't get a warrant issued for me on a burglary charge. Anyway, I'm inside. I took the liberty to light a fire in the fireplace and I'm drying myself and my socks in front of it. This cabin is pretty much what you might expect, a kind of hunting lodge all cedar and leather complete with an elk trophy above the fireplace. It's cozy, I guess, if you're into that kind of thing. But this place maybe saved my life, so I'm not complaining. I found the latest letter in my jacket pocket. (sighs) Letter. It's no letter, it's a blank piece of parchment. It got soaked in my tumble into the snow and I laid it out in front of the fire to dry. It's an enigma, isn't it? This piece of paper. It vexes me. It means something, I think, though I have no idea what it could mean, and even though there's nothing on it, I'm afraid of it. I think I've just realized why it bothers me so. When I look at it, I feel that burning again at the back of my spine. It's faint, but it's there. What do you think it means, Victoria? What does it mean? Did you hear that? Oh no. Victoria, the wolves are at the door. Five or six of them. It's like they know I'm in here. Like they followed me here. I can see them through the window, roving back and forth at the edge of the light from the porch. Oh God, what should I do? I mean, I I know they can't get in, right? They're just animals after all. It's not like they know how to open doors. Still, this does not bode well. What if they stay out there all night? Wait, what is that? I think I see something. Out in the trees. What is that? I... 
I'm still at the cabin. It's almost dawn and the snow has tapered off a bit. I found the owner of this place has a landline hooked up, seems to be working. I didn't call 911 though, as I don't want to have to explain why I broke into someone's cabin. I mean, I had a good reason to do it, but they might not exactly see it that way. And the last thing I need right now is to end up in some podunk jail while it gets straightened out. In a couple hours, I'll try calling for a tow and head back out to the road where I left my car. After my last message, things got, well, weirder. I was watching the wolves through the window. That's when I saw something else moving in the tree line, something that didn't really look like a wolf, an obscure and shadowy figure. The wolves noticed it too. I watched what I presume was their alpha face toward the newcomer and hunched down, baring its teeth and growling. The others followed suit. But the shadow figure continued to approach, moving toward the cabin, and as it grew closer, it began to take shape. It appeared to be a person, or at least it walked upright like a person. It had to be aware of the wolves, but it didn't seem to fear them in the least. And as it got closer to the edge of the tree line, I could make out more of its features. Like I said, it stood like a man, but it seemed unusually tall. I could make out a head shape and arms, and it was draped in something the color of muted saffron. A robe or cloak, maybe? I heard another sound then, like trees cracking, branches snapping. The wolves heard it too, their ears perked up and their heads snapped in the direction of this new noise. You know the way dogs do when something suddenly catches their attention like another unfamiliar dog or a squirrel or whatever. But this was no squirrel, Victoria. It was something much larger, moving through the trees. The alpha let out a yelp, then bolted. The other wolves followed quickly, darting off into the forest. Gone. But the cloaked figure stayed right where it was, stopped just inside the tree line. I didn't take my eyes off it. The other thing was still moving deeper in the woods beyond my vision, but I could hear the foliage creaking in protest of its approach, and before long I saw the pines moving, bending in response to something massive moving through them. Then the cloaked figure raised an arm, and I could see one bony hand with long fingernails or claws point toward the cabin. I became aware of my heart pounding in my chest, threatening to burst. The huge thing in the forest rushed forward, almost felling whole pines as it came. It crashed through the tree line and all I could register was a dark and sinewy shape. Some thing with immense claws, teeth. I didn't see much because I fell back in shock and fear, away from the window. The thing, creature, must have smashed into the side of the cabin because the whole place lurched as if it had just been hit by a five-pointer on the Richter. Books fell off shelves. A lamp toppled over and went out with the snap of electricity. The window cracked but thankfully didn't shatter completely, and I lay there on the floor with only the dim light from the fire casting an eerie glow to see by. I heard a gurgling growl, and through the window the beast stared back at me with a dozen glistening eyes. I think I let out a cry then, or I tried to, but it froze in my throat when I heard the front doorknob begin to jiggle. I remembered then it wasn't locked because I'd broken the thing when I jimmied it. The knob turned. The door opened. And in the flickering light of the fire, I saw the form of the tall, cloaked man standing in the now-open doorway. It was wearing some sort of cloak, but I really have no idea if it was a man or not. Its face was shrouded in a hood. I was frozen in place. That feeling in my back, now a burning pain, was shooting up and down my spine. The cloaked figure didn't speak, but I could see the lower half of its face. Its skin was deathly ashen and looked cracked. Its mouth widened into a wicked smile that revealed dirty, crooked teeth. Who are you? I demanded. What do you want? The figure made no reply at first, but then said in a low, rasping voice, I am so glad you've decided to join us. 
and then it was gone. The doorway was empty. A chilling laugh echoed into the night. After a moment, the burning sensation in my back faded and I lay there with the stormy cold flowing in from the open doorway, competing with the warmth of the nearby fire. I eventually got up and closed the door, but not before looking outside to find no sign of the cloaked figure or the imposing creature that had accompanied it. I sat down in front of the fire and... The paper I had laid out in front of it to dry was no longer blank. Something had appeared, brought out I gathered by the heat from the fire. No writing, but a symbol of some kind. An eye-like shape wreathed in a circle in yellow ink. Invisible ink? Clever, I guess. I'm looking at it now. I've seen this before, Victoria. Where have I seen it before? It must mean something. The sun is up. The snow has stopped completely now. I'll call again later. Victoria, I'm in Denver. Finally. As if last night's tale wasn't strange enough, that strangeness didn't abate after my previous message, I'm afraid. I got a hold of a tow driver to come get my car and made my trek from the cabin back to the highway. When I got there, <laughs> I don't know how to say this. I came back to find my car 20 feet off the ground, wedged between two massive Douglas firs. It had been crushed, the damage far greater than I had caused running off the road. When the tow driver arrived and saw it, he was understandably incredulous and wanted to know how I had managed it. I didn't know what to say and don't really remember what I told him. Whatever it was, I'm sure he didn't buy it. Anyway, he said he didn't have the equipment with him to get it down and offered to take me back to Vail. There I found another kind soul who was heading to Denver to give me a ride. As far as I know, my Nissan is still wedged between those trees. I didn't want to wait around and it's not like the damage is fixable. Someone will deal with it or not. I really don't care. I bought a train ticket to Chicago and I'm waiting to board. I considered just renting a car to drive the rest of the way, but maybe an alternate form of transportation will be a good change and afford me a respite from any further odd encounters. Victoria, I don't know if these things that are happening to me are meant to be warnings or something else, but I'm starting to get the feeling I'm much more involved than I thought. What I mean is, I know without a doubt the cloaked figure and his pet could have ended me right then and there. So could have that thing from the shack in Utah, I wager, though I have no way to know how closely those two entities are related. My point is these things could have killed me, but they didn't. The logical conclusion is that they don't mean to stop me, that they want me to come to Arkham. But the question is, why? Be that as it may, I will venture onward. I must. There's one more thing I need to tell you. One more bit of weirdness to add to the daunting pile of existential horror that already plagues me. When I got to the ticket booth at this train station to buy my fare to Chicago, when I gave my name to the cashier, he seemed to recognize it. He told me the Western Union counter had a telegram for me. I don't know why, but at first I thought he must be mistaken. But I went and checked, and in fact, they did have a telegram waiting for me. I'll give you three guesses who it's from. And the first two don't count. 